Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. I'm really happy to have Amanda K. Hayes here today with me. She's the president of AKH Financial Corp. And I think we're going to learn a lot from her today. So thank you so much for coming on, first of all. Thanks for having me, Alessandra. I'm very excited to be here. Cool. Well, I always want to... Well, first of all, I mean, I think anything related to finance, I'm always like, want to hear more. I like like (laughs) such an important topic and something that most people don't feel as confident in, right, than as they maybe should or could. So that's one of the reasons I'm excited to have you on today. And it's also like less common, I think, like, especially for like women, um, women in business, like I would say out of, you know, all the people that I talk to between like my business, this podcast, the magazine that we also run, like I've only, I think have maybe like three people like be related to like the finance field at all, like who've approached us for this. Whereas like, oh wow, there are a lot of other (laughs) fields where we get like tons and tons of, you know, people pitching all the time, like uh, in, you know, so many people in like the marketing fields or like online business things or coaching things or all kinds of other stuff and very little in finance. So I'm excited to have this chance to talk to you. (laughs) Hopefully we can change that moving forward then because, um, Yes, there, there's not a tremendous amount of women in finance, but as time goes on, there are more and more and more women that are kind of breaking those glass ceilings across all types of industries. So finance is just one that for me, there's no discrimination because it's about performance and it's about quality of what you bring to your clients. So that. That's really, you know, can be any sex, either one. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I feel like it's probably really something that sometimes other women love to have like their financial professional be a woman because it can, I don't know, I imagine it might just feel easier to like talk about and talk to and and hear from you in a, I don't know, in a really productive way. But anyway, tell us how, I mean, let's back up. Like, how did you get into it? Like, Take us through kind of your background and and what went into starting, I guess, what took you, brought you up to starting AKH Financial. Yeah. I mean, how I got into it is probably not as relevant as the mindset that was created as um, when I was younger, because how I viewed money was very different than how I view money today. And so I believe that our you know, our upbringing and our experiences, it really influences us in how we view money. And, you know, people can fear it, they can love it, they can hate it, they can resent it, they can ignore it. And for me, I was just constantly fighting these stereotypes and judgments all along the way. And so um, it was something that I didn't know that I could control it, and that I could have this healthy relationship with it, because it was fearful to me as something that, you know, this is too complicated. I'm going to stay away from it. You know, who's going to want to talk to a woman about money? And that was kind of the the household that I was brought up in. And so I was in a, an international marketing class in college. And my teacher happened to bring in a gentleman from Edward Jones that was just speaking about 
recruiting Trevor Jones. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, he's just there talking to the guys. Like, he's not interested in, you know, any of the girls that are here. And to the contrary, they were doing this huge push to incorporate women. And so my teacher was this very, uh, you know, astute teacher at the University of Central Florida. And she had pretty good, uh, you know, reputation around there as being this really strong, dominant woman. And so when she found women in her classes that she felt that way, also, she did a great job encouraging them to go out and try things. And after the guy spoke, she kind of met with all the girls in the class. And was like, what do you think? What do you think? And so um, she really pushed me to go in and apply. And they were just so welcoming when I went to interview with them. They really made me feel like I could do it. And because I was searching for that need in my life at that point of somebody just telling me like, hey, you can do this. You know, you'll be great at it. Um, It was very encouraging. And that's kind of how I started and got into it. And the family that they provided for me was just so influential. I mean, it helped shape my entire life moving forward, because I felt like I had this team of supporters around me that were really encouraging me to do something. And then I ended up being really good at it. <laughs> I ended up really liking it, because I got to meet all these people. And I got to help people. And as I learned it, more and more, I was a sponge for education. So they provided so many resources for me to learn and me to practice and get better. And it just kind of evolved from there. So I've been doing it for about 16 years now. And last year, I thought it would be a great time, you know, during a complete pandemic, hey, let's open up my own firm finally. (laughs) But I just got to a point that my confidence level was it was just there and I was ready to do it. And my clients were really supportive. My staff was supportive. And so I launched it last year, right in the smack dab center of the pandemic. I launched my own firm. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And, and how has it gone since then? Because that's, yeah, that's a scary time to be launching something new. It was terrifying to go out on my own. And now I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably say this looking back. You're like, man, I wish I would have done that sooner, but (laughs) I don't think I would have been in the right necessarily mindset at that point. So I believe like everything manifested at just the right points that gave me that push to do it. So I'm I'm very excited that I did. And it's and here here I am today on on your podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So what did that look like? Um, did you have like were you able to bring clients that you worked with before and kind of bring them over to your new thing, or were you starting from scratch? Like what did Uh, that actually like get it started, I guess, officially as your own thing? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Um, being in the field for so long, I've had clients that have been with me for you know 13, 14 years. So Um, As I've transitioned through the field, I made the decision probably nine years ago to become an independent representative. So once you go independent, you have a little bit more control over your book of business. And so the firms that you work with, you're really there uh, for their support and what they offer and helping, helping you for that. But as you start to grow more and more, you 
you can kind of get to a point where you can create your own support based off of what you've grown. And I had just gotten to that point where I was ready to be that firm independent of myself. And and you link to a broker dealer, which is what I did. So the the broker dealer I'm with now, the advisor group and SagePoint Financial, um, they're like the second largest independent brokerage firm for independent financial advisors. So they give me a tremendous back office and resource and it's extremely helpful. So I've got a great team that I've built around me to, to run it. And every single one of my clients came right along with me. Oh, so that's it's been great. We've grown from there. So. Oh, wow. oh, that's incredible. What a great way to do it. I mean, I mean, I know you're like, I should have done this sooner, but it sounds like what you've done, it worked perfectly and was like a really good <laughs> idea. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes things just fall into place. You gotta, you have to trust the journey of that you're on, and you know, believe that you're, you know, you're building something. And you know, sometimes things don't happen, and you probably look back and go, "Man, why did that happen?" But I, I believe in that philosophy that everything happens for a reason. So even if I don't understand what that reason was, one day in the future, I, I will. And I've always kind of been at that point, like, ah, oh, that's why that happened. That makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I agree. And I, I love, yeah, I love when you can kind of see like, okay, that's why this happened. <laughs> like this is, this is supposed to happen. Absolutely. So when people work with you, I just want to dive into that for a second. Like, what does that look like um, in terms of like your clients or, or like say, I or somebody was going to come to you tomorrow and say, like, I might want to work with you. I feel like I need someone, you know, to work with for my finances. Like, what does that actually look like in terms of like day to day, what you do with clients? Sure. For my firm in particular, we have a list of what we call gold medal services. So it's everything from your retirement planning, estate planning, tax planning, income planning. Um, We like to look at all the different parts associated with financial planning. Now we don't we don't work with everyone, <laughs> but as far as when we're first meeting, um, I offer a complimentary 15-minute discovery chat to kind of see where you're at in your financial snapshot and can I add value. So that's really the starting point. Like what kind of value can we work together as a team in doing? So uh, most people are going to come and I'm I'm not like a, a debt consultant, so I, I don't work with people that are you know, struggling with trying to, you know, pay off debts, you want to make sure that you're in a good position where you're able to contribute to your finances and your investment. So if you have credit cards to pay down, if you are living, you know, really tight on a budget and you're not able to contribute to your investments, um, sometimes that 15-minute call is just me giving someone some recommendations on how to get their financial life in order. Mm-hmm. and get them to a point that they can start being an investor. So I always say that I might not be giving clients the message that they want, but I promise it's the message that they need. <laughs> so uh, you have to be really disciplined when it comes to getting your finances in order and everybody is different. So there's generic rules out there like the 50, 20, 30 rule and there's all these different types, but I feel like in this day and age, I don't know how many people really identify with being generic. So everyone's individual situation is going to be different. And if, if someone is identified as a client that would work really well with my firm, we can add a tremendous amount of value, whether it's for 
helping them create tax efficiency uh, in, in their investment strategies or their businesses, helping them to protect themselves for you know, future financial concerns like a life insurance need or a long-term care need or a business succession strategy. Um, those are all types of things that we can get really creative with helping them out and, and add value because you want to work with a financial advisor that you like and that you trust because <laughs> you got to get financially naked and tell them what's going on. And that's usually the hardest part is people being vulnerable to tell the truth. And I find that a lot of people nowadays are, they're, they're a little embarrassed about talking about their financial situation. So I try to make clients feel extremely comfortable when they come in, everything is confidential. Everything that we talk about is secure and it's just focused on what can we do for you to add value, to get you to those financial goals? What's the most efficient path for you to do moving forward that's going to get you there? And that's on the short term, the intermediate and the long term. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then what does it look like in terms of like, once you've kind of figured out what that plan is or like figured out what they need, is this like taking place? through calls like every couple months to like see if they're actually doing it or do they kind of like email you like if it was like they need to set up you know this or that when it comes to like budgeting or setting up some kind of like a new investment like I mean I just I guess I'm as someone who's never worked with someone like that before <laughs> like what kind what does that actually look like in terms of like the commitment or like how the time how much of your time do I get if I'm working with you or something I guess is what I'm thinking yeah. about yeah, those are all great questions. Um, depending on you know different asset sizes, there's different needs that are going to be required of those clients, um, and what the face-to-face time is, what the phone call time is. I find that people have lots of great ideas. They don't necessarily implement those ideas. Mm-hmm. So if someone is deciding to work with me, we are creating a blueprint plan for their financial uh, life. So we're going to have a financial action checklist and it's basically going to be homework. Like, here you go. These are the things that we need to do. We're going to stay consistent. We're going to follow up. We're going to meet either once, twice, three or four times a year, depending on the size of what we're trying to handle. But consistency is really important. And so I am that cheerleader. I'm that coach, that confidant that they can depend on to keep them on track moving forward. So I, of course, can't force anybody to do anything. You know, this is their money. It's not mine. But I can certainly uh, politely, I, would, I wouldn't say politely pester, but <laughs> politely uh, encourage. You're going to like be that accountability to make sure they're actually doing yeah. it. I feel like that's what we all need is that accountability of like, yeah, so did you do the things on the checklist yet? <laughs> did you do the things that you wanted to do? Like, that's why you came to me, right? Yeah. And you have to keep reminding people that, you know, these are your goals. They're not my goals. They're yours. You know, I'm your coach to keep you on this track. It's like when I, you know, I have a trainer for when I work out, I have um, a consulting group for both of my businesses because I want to be accountable to myself. I can't sit here preaching to clients about what they need to be doing and then I'm not doing it myself. Mm -hmm. So I really try to make sure that. I'm being a good leader for all of my teams because sometimes you just lead by example and not necessarily telling people what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think is like, 
like, are there any like mistakes that you see people making that might be like such a broad question, but like, I feel like a lot of people are kind of like probably almost like a little scared or nervous to even come to like, as you said, like to bear all financially, like, but do you see any financially naked? (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Um, like it can be a little scary, but I feel like you'd probably say like, you know, it doesn't like, it's nothing, it doesn't need to be scary. Like, right. It's just like what it is, what it is. And you can work with whatever to, to reach goals. But is there anything that you see people do that's like a mistake or like something they haven't like kind of sorted out before they've come to you or, or mistakes they make along the way? Like that would be like interesting for people to know. Yes. I, I see tons of mistakes, but I also see tons of successes as well. So most often than not, people come to me and they're very, they're not sure where they rank (laughs) as far as like, oh my God, I've done A, B, C, and D, but is it enough? Is it not enough? And so, you know, a lot of financial planning is calculations. So they're just numbers. It's a numbers game. You know, if I want to get from point A to point B, what's the rate of return that I need to have on my investment? How much do I need to contribute? How much time do I need to put into this? So I would say time is probably the number one mistake is people wait. Mm. And time is the one thing that you cannot get more of and you can't get back. And investments need time because compounding interest is a very influential and strong thing for investors to have on their side. Uh, and the more time you have, the better for the process of compounding interest. So that is that's definitely something that I see in investors. They they wait. And the worst thing is if you wait till there's a problem to then go ahead and try to find a solution. So it's just like for, you know, somebody passes away and then they realize, oh, my goodness, I didn't plan for this. And well, that's the whole point is that financial planning is that, you know, preparation for what's coming, because you want to do things today that your future self is going to thank you for. Mm -hmm. Because how great would you feel if 20 years from now, you, you know, had your income set up, you had your family protected, you had everything set up in place, so that you didn't have any, anything crazy happen along the way that you weren't prepared for. And then conversely, how not great would that feel if 20 years from now you ran out of money, you had to go back to work, you didn't have a sufficient amount of insurance to protect yourself and your family in case there was a death or something unexpected that happened. So I'd say those are probably the biggest mistakes is waiting too long and letting fears control, you know, taking action. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. But I think um, like for especially for like business owners and other entrepreneurs, like I feel like one of the issues that a lot of us have and like probably problems that people run into is like not having some of those benefits that you would have maybe had set up through like a traditional nine to five job, like having to set up any kind of those investments yourself. Like maybe you don't have a 401k, maybe don't even have like health insurance through, you know, all of that is kind of like individual that you're having to deal with yourself And of course, when you're starting a business, it can also feel like you don't have a lot of like (laughs) extra profit at first for the first several years or whatever. Is there anything like, would you say that like the number one thing would be that even if, even like as an entrepreneur, you should go out and try to set up some kind of like 
retirement account at least at first? Like, are there any kind of like things like that, that you would say is like, definitely look into this now, or this is what you should have already done like last year? (laughs) Well, I think when it comes to business owners, you can kind of have two different types of business owners and you have the ones that are, you know, visionaries. And then you have the ones that are operators. And it's sometimes it's rare to have a visionary and an operator coexist in one person. (laughs) So um, when, when a lot of business owners get started, they just have that vision. And so they're doing all this stuff and it's, you know, aim, fire, shoot, shoot, aim, fire. And it's not, you know, ready, aim, shoot, fire. And so that can really ruin and devastate your business moving forward if you don't look at the how to operate it. So knowing your numbers is very, very, very important. And if you're a business owner, one of those numbers that you need to really be able to wrap your head around is how taxes affect your bottom line for profitability. Yeah. And the sooner that you figure those things out, so get really comfortable with your accountant in knowing how to know your numbers, because that's where you're going to be able to find out what is my true profitability? What is my spread? What is my potential to be able to not only operate my business, but to scale it and to invest along the way for it to grow and for me to take care of my employees and everything along the way. So those are the key things that need to be started first. Setting up 401ks and retirement plans, those are kind of icings on the cake um, once you've figured out what your numbers are. And they're a great way to keep employees a little bit more sticky to your bring them incentives, whether it's a match in their 401k or It's group life insurance, group benefits. There are going to be a lot of different ways that employers can incentivize key employees and also benefit the growth of their firm in the process. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. I think like a lot of times it's like, oh, you know, by next year, I'll be able to do this. By next year, I'll be able to do that, right? It's like you spend so much, I don't know, like time, effort, and also like money trying to get things off the ground. And it's like, oh, I'll do that soon. I'll do that soon. I'll do that soon. And then you can look back and be like, oh, it's been like three years. It's been five years and like still haven't started like some of these things for like planning for the future. And I'm not as young as I once was. <laughs> so I feel like that's something that yeah. we're aware of. That math calculation is going to add up. <laughs> you know, the longer that you wait, the larger those numbers are going to need to be. and Uh, The younger you start, the the better, you know, even if you're putting aside $200 a month and you're deciding in that moment, what am I going to pay myself? You know, because Mm -hmm. to think that you're going to work for 20, 30 years and only put 10% away of what you make and then live off of that for 30 years. I mean, that just mathematically doesn't make sense. So especially with how the environment is today, politically, with all the conversations about, you know, how much money is being printed and how are they going to pay for this? Uh, You know, taxes are already something that they're talking about increasing for corporations and for individuals. So I have a a pretty big uh, concern about how this economy is going to look 
one, two, three, four years from now based on the current monetary policy that is happening right now. So individuals need to know how to protect themselves um, so that they're not solely depending on, you know, social security or stimulus checks. And it's really important that they get their their own financial house in order and be dependent upon themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a stressful topic, I think, for a lot of people, because it's like something that's, I mean, it's sort of like so in your control, but also can feel like outside of your control. I feel like, I mean, of course, like the actual investments are pretty outside once you put your money into something, like you have to kind of wait and see what happens to it. But it's like, you have the control in terms of setting money aside. And also as business owners, a lot of us have pretty much the control over figuring out how much we're going to like making more money if we need to, right? You can always build your business or take on more clients and do more things, whatever, raise your prices. Like we have that ability to like bring in more money if we need to, but also, but also then you need to like make sure it's working for you. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I put, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily your income that makes you rich. It's your spending habits. Mm. And when I first started in this career and, you know, I, I used to talk about it with my mom that, you know, I was living off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and tuna fish. <laughs> I just, I really lived far below my means because that's really what it takes to get yourself to those next levels is having the discipline to not get money and be like, oh my God, I got money. <laughs> and then you want to go out and you want to spend things. And there's a lot of people out there today that I feel like they everyone is in the public eye now through the means of social media. And they have this perception that they want to look like they got it. They got this, they got money. So they're using money to impress or to elevate. And in turn, it's putting them in a really bad situation. And if they would flip that perspective and realize that, you know, losing the weight of other people's opinions is going to be the best thing that they could do and just focus on securing that money and putting it away, saving it, investing it, paying down debts and letting it grow so that you can do those things later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> especially that's a hard thing. Especially with how much like with the compounding over time, like one vacation now could like turn if you hadn't said invested that it can turn into like a whole vacation home when you retire or something like that. Absolutely. I I said, I I do a weekly market commentary uh, radio show. And we were talking last week about how many uh, uh, there's 17 over 17 million empty homes in the United States. Mm. Probably a huge portion of those are second homes, vacation homes. And if you you think about the, (laughs) wow, (laughs) what's the opportunity cost for a good portion of those homes that perhaps, you know, they could have taken that money and put it into a different type of investment and then reaped rewards off of that investment that, you know, paid for just trips to go to those places instead of an entire you know, home. Now, sometimes homes can be very, you know, very helpful for depreciation. Sometimes people can use them as VRBOs and get income. But, you know, every single thing that you decide to do is going to take some portion of your attention. And so you have to decide, is that attention worth what I'm getting out of it? 
Because if you're trying to focus on building your business and growing something, and then you're, oh, look over here. No, look over here. Oh, what about this over here? All those things are taking you away and they're kicking that supposed goal of yours further down the road. And so you can really only blame yourself. Every You have complete control over everything that you do in your life and in your future. You have the power to make the decision. And a lot of times I think people really lack the most important ingredient of all, which is confidence, because you know, they're they're trying to impress someone or they're only looking at their weaknesses and not their strengths. And it's not about, you know, how can I be like them? It's about how can I be like me? And that's a hard thing. That self-awareness is a really hard thing for people to um, have. Yeah. I love what you just said. Like you, you have control over everything in your life. Like it's so true. It's mm-hmm. so true. But I, but again, I feel like, like I want to just I, I recognize that sometimes with when it comes to money, it doesn't feel like it to people. So I know that can be tough. What are some of the things like, I don't know, after having done this for so long, have you seen any like really cool like success stories or whatever from like clients that you've worked with who maybe came to you without like really any plan, but then like have implemented something that you could see like over the 10 years or something like it, that it really like grew into something or really helped them meet some of their life goals or anything like that that you can think of? If not, no worries. Yes, absolutely. I mean, time and time and time again. And one of the most important things that I get out of what I do is that I form relationships with my clients and they really become like family to me. Mm-hmm. So I've seen them progress through their life stages. I've seen them you know, get married, get divorced, (laughs) lose spouses, lose parents, lose children. And, you know, the process of going through those things and what I always find and what I always see is that it's not about the money. It's about what can the money create for them. And for a lot of, a lot of people, uh, money is freedom. And it's freedom to make choice. It's freedom to provide to their loved ones, to charities, just to be able to do things. And they have to kind of, uh, you know, set those things up in advance. Uh, you know, I, I've experienced lots of situations where people have either deaths or long-term care situations. And they're very grateful that those policies were in place to protect them because the last thing you're going to want to deal with if you lost your spouse is how are we going to pay bills? (laughs) How are we going to survive? And death is just a a very difficult thing. And everybody treats it a very different way. I've seen people take weeks, take months, take years to get over these things. And I tell you what makes it a heck of a lot easier is if they're not also stressing about how to take care of their finances. Mm -hmm. Because if those things are taken care of, they're established, we have a plan for the what-ifs, that makes it a lot easier. Uh, Same thing if someone goes into a long-term care issue, that is really hard to, you know, forget about somebody passing away. The process of watching somebody pass away is very difficult. And it takes a tremendous amount of energy out of the individual that's placed there, like the spouse to take care of the other spouse or the child to come in and take care of the parent. Uh, the emotional 
weight that that causes is very, very difficult. And it's hard for people to think about what could happen (laughs) 10 to 20 years from now. So because I've had so many personal experiences with the life insurance needs or long-term care, I try to really convey that to clients. You know, like I said, I might not be giving them the message they want, but it's the message they need to hear because my job as a fiduciary is to see the things that they're not seeing and explain to them how they can protect themselves along the way. So it's it's not just about, oh man, the stock market did this today and it's over here and I made money on that. Like it's it's really about that planning for your lifetime because I've, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen an expiration date on anyone's birth certificate. So <laughs> nobody really knows when Gabriel's going to blow those trumpets. And so that's why that planning is really important. Yeah. That, I mean, you just said so much. The one thing that I, I'm not, this is not the only thing I think of that, but <laughs> one thing I thought of just in, with the last bit of what you said in terms of like, you never know how long you're going to last this might be a super basic question, but is there a number of years like that you kind of um, are supposed to be saving for, for like after retirement basically, or like, because that's what seems tough to me. And I feel like I've seen, I've kind of looked it up a little and seen numbers all over the place, but it like depends, right? Like, of course it depends when you retire. And I think like as business owners, maybe we have different sense of when that would be, but like, if you're going to retire at like 60 or something, like, is that kind of what you use? And then you're like, you should have enough money for like 20, 30 years for if you live to like 80, 90, like that's. Yeah. The wor- the worst fear that I'd say 90% of people have is running out of money and nobody wants to run out of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like I said, it's that math equation. Uh, I find a lot of entrepreneurs, they never want to stop working. They just want to work less. And they want to afford themselves that opportunity so that they can. So the faster that you learn how to make money consistently, you know, when you're working, when you're not working, um, that is going to be extremely helpful in your businesses. So um, originally, Social Security was established to kind of help fund a little bit of support for people because most individuals were only living till maybe 60 or 62. And now social security has been spread out into all these different things and everyone's putting their hands in the pot and it's becoming less and less and less available to citizens. So as more money gets printed and they're going to have to figure out which cookie jars they're going to need to dip into more and more, you can see that it might not be a reliable thing for someone who's currently under the age of 40 to depend on. And not that I see it going away, but I certainly could see them means testing it to where if you made a certain amount of money, you weren't going to get access to it. So I can see a lot of people being upset over that, which is understandable. But um, it's always going to be about how do you want your life to go? Do you want to retire at 50? Okay, you're going to retire at 50. Well, what do you want to do in this time period? You know, what's your longevity? So most projections are going to go out till age 100 because I have clients that are 99, 98, 94, (laughs) and they probably have more uh, vigor than some clients that are in their 40s or 50s. So we are living a lot longer and there are a lot of different things out there to give you that reassurance 
so that you don't run out of money. And that's just proper planning to make sure it all makes sense. Yeah, that's it's hard because you're like, well, I want to have money if I live to like a hundred, but like, do I want to save that much money? And then I like, what if I can't use it? <laughs> I mean, I guess you can always give it to your kids or whatever, you know, pass it down. So it's not like it's going to go to waste, but I feel like that's what I feel like people might feel. Well, I mean, there's only three places that your money can go and it's either families, friends, charities, or the government. So I always tell clients to pick which one you would like that to go to. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That, I mean, this is also helpful. I feel like it's, I feel like your, your word of the day is just like plan and prepare. Like it's just about planning as much as you can to try to make sure that you're prepared for whatever is going to happen and for whatever you want to be able to do when you, when you grow, when you grow old. So yeah, be okay getting financially naked so that you can get financially dressed. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. I want to ask two things. Um, one is in terms of like your business and starting your business, is there one thing that you wish you had known more about before you kind of struck out on your own and got started? There's one thing I wish I knew. And there's one thing I wish I had. Mm. So the one thing I wish I had was more confidence. Mm. That that is usually the most important ingredient, you know, that and work ethic are the two most important ingredients you know, in trying to be an entrepreneur, live life, anything you can kind of wrap your head around. You know, the other thing I wish I'd known more about is that it's just, it's a journey and it's not going to go as planned all the time. So you have to learn how to embrace those paths and learn along the way because growth can be really uncomfortable and it requires you to bend in a lot of different ways. And Sometimes success can be really lonely because if your hobby is working, which mine is, mm-hmm. so some people like to go play golf or swim or whatever, go to the beach. I like to work. I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction in what I do. And, you know, I've got a, a cousin that can play video games for hours and I can work for hours. <laughs> so everyone's, you know, what makes them happier, what makes them tick is different. So I'm I'm really happy that I know I'm going to reach all my goals because I'm enjoying the process of mm-hmm. getting there. And so that that's that's really important is just knowing that that journey is going to take some time and that it's going to have all kinds of bumps along the way. You just got to learn how to embrace them and kind of roll with it. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Do you have any last word of advice, whether it's like from a business standpoint or financially that you'd want to leave? other entrepreneurs with? Uh, Probably just to have patience. You know, success rarely forms overnight. (laughs) Um, I might appear really successful now, but it took me 15, you know, 13, 14 years to get here. (laughs) So it was quite a process along the way and just, you know, never get up and learn how to have that confidence so that you believe in yourself. Remember, like, it's not how can I be like them? It's how can I be like me? And your uniqueness is really what's going to make you stand out from the others that are in your field. I love it. That's exactly what I tell people when it comes to PR, because that's what I'm usually talking to people about. Um, And I totally agree. It's your uniqueness. Even if someone's doing the same thing as you, they're not going to be doing it the way you are. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like, I don't know how to be anybody but me. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, will you tell people where they can find you online if they want to connect with you or your business? Yes. 
They can go to www.amanda-hayes.com. That's my website. So if you want to catch up on the podcast that I've done, Money Talk, every Thursday at 4.05, I'm on uh, the Mark Bernier Show, and we're just talking about what's happened in the markets. I've got a lot of videos on YouTube, just educational videos on different financial topics. And if you want to schedule a discovery call, uh, we do complimentary 15-minute calls. They can just 386-846-0658. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes so other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes. If you have questions or ideas for a future episode or you want to submit a guest or to see those show notes, you can do all of that online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. One other thing, join other listeners on Facebook and Instagram by searching female millennial entrepreneurs and joining us there. Talk to you soon and see you there.